everyone. Hi, hello. It is me, Allison Rosen, and I'm sitting here with someone that I've known of for a long time and been a fan of and wanted to have on the show. And now here she is, Lori Kilmartin. Hello and welcome. <laughs> Thanks. I'm so excited to be here and finally meet you. Thank you. So you are fresh from television. Yeah. It's like you just stepped off the screen and into the living room. <laughs> yeah. So you have all sort you you have TV your TV glam right now. Yeah, I am. I I just did a set on Conan and uh and so it taped at 5:30 and uh here I am 2 hours later <laughs> with my hair curled which never uh, never happens right you know it, it's professionals have done their job so mm-hmm. it's kind of exciting i i won't take it off for the night well that's what i was going to ask because i'm now at this point in my life and don't worry, we will talk about your album. I don't want to. I want to talk about your life. Okay. Well, well okay then. <laughs> I'm at this point in my life now where the minute I have makeup on, I can't wait to take it off. It's same with a bra. Yeah. Oh, I know. Yes. So mm-hmm. if I were you right now, yeah. I'd be like, just I can't wait till I can get home and just get it all off. Although you don't look overly made up at all. You look like... If I feel beautiful. it, my eyelashes are feel heavy, which isn't how they should feel. <laughs> <laughs> right. When you don't wear makeup for a long time, uh, all of a sudden you're like, yeah, I can feel the mascara weighing down my lid. Yes. And um, do you still fall asleep with your makeup on? At no, all? no. Yeah. Well, no, it's been a long time. I used to be the kind of person who would never leave without makeup. And mm-hmm. in college, that wasn't very cool. I was one of those uncool people who wore makeup to class yeah. and just because I didn't feel confident without a lot of makeup on. Um, and then I became a person who only ever puts it on for like television or for a live show or something like that. And then for my podcast, like I will put on the very minimum unnecessary for a podcast it is except we take a photo oh yeah so and it's kind of got a a, a, <laughs> a bright flash but then just recently i think because i just had a baby uh well congratulations I had thank you four months ago and i think as part of the like <laughs> coming out of that fog i was like maybe i'll try eyeliner again so i do have eyeliner <laughs> on now it's the post baby eye makeup fog I'm, that you have exactly to, have to i'm reclaiming it. my eyelids your femininity yeah <laughs> um do you i think most women have one body part or one face part where they're like this has to be this has to be made up before i leave the house do you have do you have do you my like eyebrows you have same here they yeah. went away yes yes and all the do you as also, also as someone in the public eye do uh-huh. you get this people telling you you should really let them grow in it's like they won't <laughs> i've given them a chance they won't come back they won't i do you remember carolyn bessett kennedy she was john F. Kennedy yes. jr's wife well she became famous at a time in my life when I was like, what, what should I try to look like? <laughs> and her eyebrows were so thin. And right. I was like, that's it. Cause that's what JFK Jr.'s into. So I gotta, I gotta do that. And they never came back mm-hmm. and she died. Like it's, <laughs> it was a complete waste of, a waste of effort on my Now time. you're the only one <laughs> representing those eyebrows, but also I am. Um, what were your eyebrows like before the plucking? Nice, thick, really? bushy. And I didn't appreciate it. I, I don't know that when you're a teenage girl, you like it like that. I mean, I think maybe now it's a little more common. Right. Because of Cara Delevingne. What's her? It's a French right. last name. Yeah. Cara Delevingne. I don't know how you yeah, pronounce yeah. it. Yeah. Right. Delevingne. Right. She's the Brooke Shields of yeah. now. Yes. Because Brooke yes. Shields was the one who had all the brows. Yes. And when she we were still does. Up. Yeah. Have you seen her? Like, no, they're not still full. It's amazing. You know, like 
That's the that's something she did right. She probably did a lot of other things right, but not plucking her brow. Her you know alcoholic crazy mother Terry Shields probably wouldn't oh, right. love her. Yeah, but uh, she she kept with it. She didn't even defy her mother. So good for her. Really got to hand it to her. <laughs> you really do. You you really do. <laughs> so you have an album coming out. As we're recording this, it is coming out tomorrow. Mm-hmm. But when people hear this, it will have been out for a very short little while. Uh, 45 Jokes About My Dead Dad. Yeah. Which was a special on CISO, yes? Correct. Yeah. But I remember when you... Well, maybe you talk a bit about sort of the genesis of this because I was following it as it was happening on Twitter. Yeah. Um, my my dad had lung cancer and um, he had it for... Uh, he, he had it for nine months. He died like in the ninth, ninth month. And when he was in hospice, um, I was home with him, you know, it was like a, about a 10 day process. And I just started tweeting about it, you know, and tweeting jokes because mm. I, I couldn't go to open mics or I couldn't do stand up at night. So I just was like, uh, just put it out on Twitter. It wasn't that like I'm on Twitter all the time now, thanks to this election. But <laughs> before it wasn't like my first instinct, but right. I was bored. And um, cause it's boring sometimes when someone's dying. And, um, and so uh, people started following along, you know, and Patton Oswald retweeted it. And then people, a lot of people started following it along, um, you know, and it was like a, you know, a 10 day process and he died on uh, March 2nd, 2014. And then, I decided to do some stand up about it. And when I would go on the road and I would just, you know, have like a dead dad chunk in the middle of my regular road set, <laughs> your regular like, other what? dead people, <laughs> <laughs> my dead sex life. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, it was a little jarring. So, uh, like they I, didn't know how to react or it just, um, I think I wasn't good at telling those jokes yet. Like I was still like shaky voice on mm. the setup. My dad, duh, uh, you know, yeah. it takes a while before you can just blurt it out. Like right. it's a fact. And um, so, uh, so that was part of the problem was I was probably bad at telling jokes and then, you know, that makes the audience uncomfortable. So I decided to just try to do a separate special of just jokes about him and title it something really dumb and obvious. So, you know, people won't be triggered when they walk in. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, ahead of time, that's, that's what's happening. So it's all stand up about um, cancer and hospice and grief and funerals and dying and all that stuff. There's, I don't, I don't want to give the joke away, but there's a joke in uh, the album and also the special about like missing something because you were tweeting. Oh, my dad's last breath. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I was just wondering the actual experience of going through that while you were tweeting. Did, did tweeting offer you an escape or like what? Did it did it get in the way of being present at all? No, I was there the whole time. I didn't. I left aside once to have sex, but <laughs> but I and I only did that because I didn't think he was dying. It took me a while to figure out. Oh, this is really happening. Like mm-hmm. he's not going to make some miracle turnaround like you read about people doing in hospice. Um, and and I was at his bedside when he died. Like I had the shift, the morning shift, to, to sit with my dad, and he was just. He was breathing in and out. You know, obviously, that's how you breathe. That <laughs> um, it was very it's the labored. most effective way. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it works the best. It really right. does. Um, and uh, and he hadn't woken up, you know. Um, and so uh, it did, you know, I, I didn't know if he was going to wake up. He had had a really hard night the night before. Um, and uh, so 
I was just by his bedside and I was tweeting that, you know, what that felt like. And then I was like, wait, he hasn't taken a breath in a while. <laughs> and, then, and then he, you know, he, he, cause he was done. <laughs> he was done yeah. breathing. So, um, then I called my mom and my sister down. And so, you know, I was there, but I wasn't like holding his hand, looking in his closed eyes, you know, cause I, you just don't know what the person's, when their last breath's going to be. Mm -hmm. They could be labored breathing for weeks and stuff, you know. Do you think, I realize I'm asking you to analyze yourself in a way that I don't know if it's even realistic that people would do this, but do you think the tweeting offered you, like allowed you to um, to grieve more effectively or to or having written material about it? Um, I guess, I don't know if it, if it just kept a different part of my brain busy, mm -hmm. you know, and it also, um, it helped me, like every feeling was this little you know, surprise, you know, sometimes I was, it was, sometimes it was the most fun time I'd ever have with my dad because he was just one-on-one -on -one and he wasn't busy and trying to get somewhere, you know, he couldn't, he couldn't get out of the bed, you know, and other times it was horrifying and, and, uh, and incredibly sad. And, um, so every time a, an emotion would bubble up, I, I guess that joke part of me was like, let's see if we could, Fit this into this format just mm. to just have something to do almost you know it's almost it was almost like a fidget spinner way <laughs> of emotions speaking of have you actually held a, a fidget spinner i refuse okay. i like i have a 10 year old son and he has one I, I don't know how he got it uh that was disturbing but uh it, it just bothers me that adults are doing it like I, I don't like the kids are doing it but just let kids do it like why why do why do adults have to jump on everything the 10 year olds like to do I feel like they came out of no I mean, maybe that's the thing with them but like they came out of nowhere and yeah. suddenly everyone had one in their Instagram stories <laughs> but I must admit it does look sort of fun but not that fun yeah uh I I, I just think uh oh, you know it's so much more plastic that's going to get tossed away right and sorry I'm a I'm a downer <laughs> when it comes to environment, still not over the Paris Accord pullout. So, <laughs> did you watch um, the Comey yes. thing today? How yeah. do you feel about it? Um, well, I'm pretty liberal, so I I I track along liberal talking points. <laughs> Same, <laughs> yes. Um, I thought he, he was really good, uh, and he's super credible. I totally believe him over Trump, and I thought his his memos were awesome. Mm. And I, oh my god, I <sighs> wish there was 45 pages. Oh, of my God, there might be. They might be classified. Who That's knows? True, right. But right. I, I love the fact that there's still uh, FBI guys that are like that, even though I thought he really fucked up the Hillary thing. Mm -hmm. You know, um, did it bother you? And by the way, I have listeners who hate when we get political at all. But OK, sorry, just for another however long it takes. Um, did it bother you how many times the Hillary emails got brought up? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Just let it go. You know, I mean, if I, if I'm told to let go Florida, if I want to talk about Al Gore in the 2000 election, right. you got to let go of those emails. Yeah. I, um, so I have a sick baby right now uh, and I could not give it my full attention, but right. I have DVR'd it. Do you mean the baby or the Comey <laughs> hearings? Both. <laughs> like she calls her baby it. That's a little cold. <laughs> the Comey hearings. <laughs> I've been looking for, I mean, I'm consuming it like it's entertainment. Yeah. Which I feel a little weird about, but kind of, I don't care. But, um, so I've been looking forward to it all week. So I was so excited. Could not give it my undivided attention. I have a DVR and I, I may go back, but, uh, I was under this like silly impression that maybe this would be a days long thing. 
Yeah. So upon finding out that this is it, I feel very, right. feel very let down. Yeah. I need more. Yeah. I mean, Hillary, didn't she do like seven or nine hours at Benghazi? Like, I wanted yeah. that. I wanted all day long. I wanted like OJ trial. Yeah. I wanted this to be my summer. Well, you know what? <laughs> at this least still, a lunch break. Yeah. <laughs> this still could be our summer. Yes. Other aspects of it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Okay. So many things to get into. How, um, how's okay. your kid? He's okay. Yeah. He's okay. It's just a cold. Yeah. But he's four months old. Yeah. And so when a four month old has a cold, it just seems a lot worse than just a cold. Of course. I wasn't really worried about him. Um, I did call the pediatrician's office and they recommended we bring him in. So we took him in this morning and it is just a cold. Yeah. And, but of course they tell you all the things to, to be worried about. Um, but he's just, did they tell you to worry about croup? Well, um, they said to to be worried about strider. Do you know this term? It goes along with croup. Okay. It's a, it's when they're breathing and it sounds like, <laughs> like yeah, like uh, really struggling to breathe. Um, if there's that, and if it seems like he's in distress, I guess croup just means it's an it's like hitting the vocal cords. It's an inflammation, but croup is going around apparently. My kid had croup and we had to take him to the ER. Okay. It was terrifying. It sounds like he's, he was like Ooh, barking like a dog. Ooh. Yeah. And, and they're like, you know, less than one years old. It was, it was pretty scary. What did they do? Um, I, I don't remember. They throw him <laughs> a fish. <laughs> yeah, they did. Uh, it was a while ago. I don't remember. Okay. Yeah. yeah that's going to, did I just say that? It's yeah. Going around? Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm losing my mind. It's going around. The Apparently, phrase that's going around is also going around. So it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it really is so quickly. Apparently croup is the same virus as a cold. Mm, it's okay. just like where it sets up. Yeah. Um, it's going around. Yeah. Oh, wait. No, I already said that <laughs> twice. <laughs> well, you really made your point. Yeah. And, and okay. Some people didn't get it. They need to get it. It's Good. going around. So you say that uh, when people are offering their condolences, they should just stop yes. after saying, I'm sorry for your loss. Yes. But and because it's it. a podcast, yes. I have to go further. Of course. Um, but I'm not going to ask the question I was just about to ask. Don't worry. We're going to we're going to go somewhere. Here's where we're going to go. Okay. I'm excited. A lot of jokes about your mom. Mm-hmm. Are you not that close with your mom? I'm in great physical proximity to her because <laughs> she lives with me. Oh, yes. Mhm. How is that? Horrible. Um she watches my kids. She's watching them now. Mm-hmm. That's great. And that nice. uh um uh, I don't know. I don't know if every mother daughter relationship is the same, but <laughs> where, they, but it, it just seems like it's, it's, it, she gets on my nerves. I, I feel like a fly paper and she, it, there's flies all over me all the time. And it's her asking me, you know, what time I'm coming home tonight? Mm-hmm. Um, what time is your show? What, what time, what time, what time? Like she's tr- tracking me like Norad's on Santa Claus. And, the, <laughs> but she never remembers. Like, sh- like I, we just had this discussion. I said, I'm coming home at 9:30 tonight. We might ha- in that regard, we might have the same mom. Yeah, because I have a mom that asks a lot of questions, mm-hmm. but I don't think oftentimes they're just it's just like it's just what she does. Yeah, the, the, the answers aren't going in, and I don't think she even right. cares about them. Right. So I, when growing up, whenever I would wake up, she always when I became old enough to like put myself to bed. As opposed to when she put me to bed when I was a little kid, but she'd be like, "Oh, what time did you go to bed last night?" I'm like that is an unfun <laughs> question to answer early in the morning, and yeah. it actually is almost painful if you take a if you're not a morning person, right? And it doesn't matter. 
yeah, and it doesn't matter. Why do? You, why are you making me think this? Right. And it's it's okay. I can't for, remember. Silence is fine. Like you don't have to <laughs> fill every silence with a query. And um, like she also never asked direct questions. Like this morning, I figured out after she's like, "Where are you going tonight? What time do you think you'll be home?" And she, she wanted to know if she had to put my son to bed. My mm-hmm. son goes to bed at nine thirty. So I said, "Why can't you just ask if you have to put your put him to bed? Right. Why do you have to ask forty questions and then get to what your real thing is?" That that drives me nuts because I feel because you feel someone fishing around for mm-hmm. something, right? And you're like, "What do you want?" And you get very defensive, and it's like, "Just ask, do I have to put him to bed tonight, please?" Right. How did that conversation go? It went as well as you expected. <laughs> <laughs> so, how long has she been living with you? Um, a little over a year. Yeah, she was uh, in the house, and uh, of course, after my dad died, and uh, you know, falling, hip breaking, all that mm. kind of stuff, and and I do need help, you know, with childcare because it's just me, so and my babysitter, but um, yeah, so and it, she and my son get along great. Like I, I do think it's great for kids to be around old people. They just aren't really, you know, mm-hmm. unless they're. Right, there's just no tradition anymore of going to Sundays or grandma and grandpa's or anything like that. At least in in the way I live my life, so she's always around, and they get they get along fine. And like her, she and her dad fought all the time, but he was like a great grandpa to me. I always think that the 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 slightly toxic parents can make the best grandparents. You know, <laughs> what? Why do you think that is? I guess they don't have any skin in the game anymore, mm. and um. They almost, it, it's like I, for the grandchild is like a pure version of the kid that they have this relationship mm-hmm. with that they don't understand. And why can't I ask her what time she's coming home? And, right. and I, I don't know either. I can't even articulate it. It's too messy. But, you know, my son's pretty pure. And uh, so it's, it's easier, I guess, you know? I get frustrated with my mom. And then I worry. This is low down on the list of worries, but a worry <laughs> is because I can see it. Like she's almost, a, she's afraid of me. Mm. She's afraid to say the wrong thing to me. And I hate that. I hate that I've created a situation where she is, I don't want, I don't want anyone to ever be walking on eggshells around me. Right. I don't think of myself as this like, ah, kind of person at all. Um, but I think it's because like she doesn't understand why the, what time did you go to bed? bothers me yeah she she doesn't you know yeah and so to her it's probably just like i don't know sometimes she just gets so frustrated with me like it makes me feel yeah i feel bad for that situation i feel yeah i I feel bad about that too because my mom is trapped in a house with me she has no place else to go and um but i gosh i mean i just wish like you shouldn't have to explain why it's annoying just go it's annoying and that should be enough please don't do it you know but they tend to fall. Well, I I can't change. I'm you know whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm too old. So all right. So it's just going to be contentious. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Plus, she voted for Trump, and anytime he does something horrible, which isn't every day, even though it actually is, but there's like the, when he pulled out of Paris, I was like, I just wanted to take it out on my mom. You know, even though we don't talk politics. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, I, sometimes she just, I just looking at her, I'm furious. <laughs> Even though she voted in California and she wasn't the one that made him president. Right. Well, you don't know that. <laughs> I mean, you have your suspicions. Yes. But you grew up in California. Mm-hmm. Northern California? Yeah. Yeah. Walnut Creek. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know Walnut Creek somewhat. Um, what was your childhood like? Uh, it was fun. It was fine. It wasn't horrible. Um, I was on the swim team. That was co- sort of our social life and real life and um 
you know, slightly idyllic, I guess, in a way. My dad worked overseas a lot. That was probably the hardest part. And so I didn't see him for years at a time. <laughs> I guess that doesn't sound like too idyllic now. But um, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't horrible mm-hmm. at all. What did he do? He was an engineer. He's a civil engineer. So he would work like in uh, uh, Nicaragua and the Philippines and Saudi Arabia, a lot of places that were um, hard for us to go visit. You know, they might have been underdeveloped at the time because he did dams and infrastructure kind of mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. You have a sister. I have a sister who lives in Oregon, Portland, Oregon. She's a psychiatrist. Did you ever have an interest in in going that direction? In psychiatry, Portland. No. No. Oh, psychiatry, yeah. <laughs> uh, I go to therapy. Um, uh, it's a great town. I love it, but I, but I couldn't de- really do stand up. Oh no, I actually meant oh, psychiatry. Oh. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. No, not at all. No. Uh, it was, that's twelve years of school. It's still medical school. Yeah. It's ridiculous. She's still paying off loans. Yeah. No. Mm-mm. What was your first career aspiration? Uh, actress. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so embarrassed. I don't. That's okay. I don't, it's, it's not like I started smart and veered off into comedy. Uh-huh. I started dumb and veered off into comedy. <laughs> <laughs> so, but you, did you major in English? Um, no, I dropped out. Um, so I don't have any student loans. That's a good part. <laughs> um, I was a drama major, but I was, I dropped out my freshman year so that I wouldn't even call it a major, you know? Right. I went to a couple acting classes. Yeah. How come you dropped out? Um, I had a, uh, my, this, this does get a little sticky. My swim couch is in prison <laughs> for child molestation. Oh my. So, word. I, so one, I, I wasn't like one of the, the people that was super molested, but there was some stuff that happened and I, it sort of all, uh, exploded on my head in my freshman year of college. Like I just buried a lot of it. Mm -hmm. And I think being in a new place and just, you know, being kind of like freaked out, it all kind of came out and I just sort of, uh, had a breakdown, I guess, like a, I just, Oh, I have to stop. <laughs> like I almost, I, I quit swimming. I quit school. I quit everything. I just went home and I was like, I just have to stop. And I don't know when I'm going to start again, mm-hmm. you know? So I kind of did that for a year. And then I saw some stand up in San Francisco and I was like, Oh man, this sounds cool. I, I want to try that. And then I spent a couple years just psyching myself up to do an open mic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like given what you went through, which I don't know exactly what you went through, but even a little bit of what I imagine the fact that it only, t- that you only took a year off that you only stopped for a year is really good. <laughs> you could have, t- you, I feel like you could have given yourself more time. I could have had a total breakdown. <laughs> you could yeah. I mean, I was bulimic. So I was going to like OA meetings and I, and I kept, but I wasn't like super bulimic. Like I had to work hard. Like I had to take Epic hack to get rid of food mm-hmm. instead of like, how fast does that work? Not fast. Okay. It takes sometimes hours, mm. you know, depending on how much and what, the, what the food is. But, but like, I would go to meetings and I'd be like, oh my God, like this person is like, I, I couldn't ruin my teeth because it took so long to get <laughs> to throw up. But I would see the people like, oh my God. And it, it, it did feel like there was a path you could go down where you could almost become a professional recovery person where mm-hmm. you're, you're just, you are addicted to all these things and, and now you're not doing them. And so you're just going to talk about them. Uh, or maybe I just wasn't that addicted. So I was able to stop eventually, you know? Right. How old were you when the stuff with the swim coach happened? Um, it was more in my teen years. 
Yeah. It, it, it wasn't, he wasn't like I was, it was more uh, emotional abuse than actual physical abuse mm-hmm. with me that I, because my dad wasn't home, I totally internalized and agreed with and thought, yeah, I am fat and I am this and I am that and I am lesser. And oh, he, he told you that? That kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that, and kind of, the way the girls were te- treated on the swim team versus the boys mm-hmm. was, you know, we were, we, we were lower on the totem pole, not part of the hierarchy. So I don't know. I just sort of thought that was the way everything was. And there, I guess there wasn't anyone. My mom was sort of depressed and my dad wasn't home. So there wasn't anyone to step in and go, uh, this is messed up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I, like, I feel like, oh, that would never happen with my son. Like I am on all that stuff, you know, and I would never let, I hope I would never let somebody emotionally abuse him right. without realizing, you know. So when it all, and if you don't want to talk about it, you don't have to. That's okay. But when it all blew up, mm-hmm. not, I don't mean, you said it kind of exploded on your head, but I mean like he ended up in jail. How did it, how did this come to life? He didn't get to jail till like seven years ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. He, he, it was very much, uh, U.S. swimming is very much like the Catholic church and that they would just move coaches from team to team. Mm. And only like in the last 10 years where people really started communicating on the internet, did, did that someone go, Hey, you know, he keeps leaving and what, under what circumstances do you leave your team? Like they almost never taught like parents from a team in Washington wouldn't necessarily call parents from a team in Northern California and talk, you know, right. like 10 or 15 years ago. And then they started. And then, then he, you know, I guess it, w- with statute of limitations and stuff, he wasn't charged with anything for a long time, but there's just rumors. And then mm. when was it like 2009, a 14 year old in Santa Clara said he, he did this thing to me. And which is so brave to stand up. This guy had had like a 40 year career at this point with no problems. And she said, this happened. And then that opened up the floodgates because he could be tried for that one. And then there's there, he was, there were so many written testimony. It's kind of like the Cosby thing where you just have one case Mm -hmm. where you can actually try, but there's, at least in our case, there's so many Jane Doe's saying this happened, this happened, this happened. And so he, was sentenced to 40 years in prison and he was 70 when he was sentenced. So, he'll, you know, he'll die there. Was that, um, how did that make you feel when it all came to light? I was, um, it, it was weird. It, it kind of forced me to talk about it again. And then talking about it really sort of made it done. Like I, I had felt a shame. I, I guess I was used to it. I didn't mm. realize I felt shame about it. it really, really, you know, I was kind of, embarrassed but i didn't realize it sort of had infected like all the cells in my body Mm -hmm. until it was gone and i was like oh (laughs) i feel lighter now and um i don't feel because i I, no one when i was telling people it happened to me when it was happening some things no one kind of believed me Mm -hmm. and and then you know i was seen as like um just being dumb or crazy or you know oh she dropped out she's a whatever and and i just i didn't occur to me that he had done it to other people outside of my swim team that i knew the girls on my team and um and i i just kind of swallowed it after a while i mean you know not and not actually but no uh, (laughs) that's right it all comes up no matter what whatever i swallow could come up but um and and i 
it was one of those things where you just get used to having that feeling, that kind of icky feeling. Mm -hmm. And then, then when you don't have it, you just go, Oh man, I wish I'd gotten rid of this a long time ago. Yeah. (laughs) Did you talk to the other girls on the team at the time though? Like I did. You guys all have the same feeling about him. What was weird? Like one of, there's one girl I talked to and, and she said, I heard he's doing something to, um, to, uh, patient, say Jane X, right? Who's 14 at the time. And I'd known since she was like 10 or 11. And so I, so this girl and I went over to Jane X. Now, now I'm stuck with this. <laughs> we went to her and I, and I said, he, he tried this with me and he did this to me. And he, um, and I've heard, I just wanted you to know that. And if he'd done anything to you, I just want you to know he's done it to me or, um, whatever, a lesser version of it. And, uh, and, she said no, but with the way she said no, it was like, oh, he is. But since she said no, and I called some other girls on the team, and I, but by this time, I had already dropped out, and I was sort of like the, you know, the shame, you know, the embarrassment, the fat embarrassment that quit swimming and gained weight. Mm. So to have me call and go, hey, did Andy do this? That's his name, Andy King. Did Andy do this to you? Was, you know, p- people were hanging up on me and stuff. But later it turned out those people, had had stuff done to them and they and you know everyone's a teenager Physical stuff or- yes yeah okay. yeah one the girl that we had went you know jane x had had to get an abortion when she was 14 and she was like a super talented she was on 2020 i think talking about it mm-hmm. very talented swimmer and was it a- was it was his kid or he yes. made her get oh my god yeah yeah, and he had cultivated her. Like he, he had some kind of pedophilia that where he's into girls with teenage boy bodies, like boy bodies. Mm. So he, so he would become very attractive. There's a couple girls who had those bodies where mm. they didn't blossom, right. um, or they blossomed later. So when they're 12 or 13, you know, now they're swimming with him because they're quote seniors. That's like the, um, the way we, uh, delineate, you know, what workout you went, you went to. And he would just spend a ton of time with them. Um, you know, so there's two girls that were severely abused on my team. So wow. <laughs> it was, it's, it, it's weird. Cause it, I spent like four or five years on that team and I have some really great memories of some things. And then, you know, and the boys on our team don't have that memory at all. So mm-hmm. they, I mean, they're men now and you know, they, it, it just, it's a strange memory. You can't really enjoy it. Right. Even the good parts. Right. The 14 year old that came forward that's not Jane X, though, right? No, no, no. The, That's and what did she say had happened? What, what had happened to I her? I think he, you know, he's famous for giving massages oh. <laughs> before before a race. I know, and so he, you know, I mean, I we all had those massages where your the hands are like, you know, going a little further, but you, you know, you're alone in a hotel room with them at at a swim meet and you, and you just sort of jostle around a little bit and try to make sure it doesn't go there again. You know what I mean? Mm. And I think if I remember correctly with her, he, he, you know, he just re- went really far and she told her pastor mm-hmm. and her pastor was like, all right, we got to take care of this. So good. Yeah. There was, um, the, the kindergarten through eighth school that I went to like the biggest, felony misdemeanor child molestation case at the time in Orange County was our teacher. Yeah. But I was this like fat unathletic kid. So he never showed an interest in me. It was the elite athletes that he was interested in. You're so lucky. I, I guess I really am. You really are. No, I I am. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and he was interested in boys and girls. 
Oh my God. That's yeah. so strange. That's uh, not common. They usually have a type. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. No, well, his type was really good athletes. <laughs> Did, do you know, do any, the, any of the athletes he, I guess, preyed upon, do you know how, how well they, did later on really did don't. anyone go to the olympics did anyone no not that i know of yeah it's it's funny i don't i mean i was young young i think it kind of i think it came to light when i was about 12 and it started getting some press and it was in the news um and i knew of a girl older than than me who was rumored to have slept with him it's funny, like that was the terminology yeah, that totally, we used yes, at that age. Yes, but it's yeah, like yeah. I don't as if and I think we even thought of her as like she's fast. And cool. Know? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. so that she somehow had some kind of agency in the whole thing, as yes. opposed to that she was a victim. Yeah. And then I know of a boy as a particular boy younger than me who was one of the, the boys who was victimized, but I don't I mean, I could look them up on Facebook. I don't know whatever happened to them, but there were more people as well. Wow. That's that's the least of the crimes that a coach does is ruin an athletic career. That yeah. could be great. You know, yeah. do you if this hadn't happened, do you think you would still be swimming competitively? Uh, Well, I swam masters after like after I, I quit swimming, gained a lot of weight and then I lost some of the weight. Uh, I've kept a little for the rest of my life. But uh, <laughs> but I like sw- how much weight are we talking about? Um, let's say 60 pounds. And were you super skinny swimming person before? I was really muscular. I wasn't mm-hmm. like a skinny person. I was just a super muscular, like normal size, but right. very, very muscular. And um, uh, we, I just stopped swimming and started eating. Like <laughs> almost, I was swimming five, four hours a day and I replaced it with four or five hours a day of eating. I just couldn't, mm-hmm. I couldn't stop myself. Yeah. yeah. Um, but what was the question that you asked? It was, would you still be swimming? If all um, this hadn't happened, you know, when I when I sort of went through some healing, um, I started swimming again on a master's team, and that was a lot of fun. And it and I felt like, and I still feel like weird when I when I swim. Like I like it's the only thing I'm good at physically. It's the only thing I have any kind of grace. You know, I can't. I'm a horrible runner. There's nothing <laughs> else I do. Yoga, it's like a disaster. But <laughs> swimming, I'm actually not too bad at it. Still, I have muscle memory and. And, um, and so I, I would definitely, you know, like to get into it again, but it's, mm-hmm. it's hard with a kid and a job and everything else too. Right. It, yeah. I'm going to selfishly ask you mm-hmm. my own personal question now. Mm-hmm. How, in your opinion, how young can you teach a kid to swim? Oh, um, instantly. I mean, I would have, I would have a kid, my kid in the water. I had my kid in the water as soon as possible just to get him comfortable and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. There's, have you seen a video? There's videos where these people just throw babies in the water (laughs) and and teach them how to swim really, really young. Are the, do you mean like people on their own who decide that's the method they're going to use? No, there's somebody teaching a method of infant survival. Basically. Yeah. Yes. We were, um, so my husband's cousin, teaches those kind of swim classes. And before I knew anything about it, I was always like, yeah, that sounds like a great precaution. Yeah. Um, and then, and she actually said, if we ever want to do it, she would give us a, like a series of classes or whatever. So um, we were, we've been looking at houses, even though it's ridiculously overpriced and I have a feeling we're going to wait, but we're yeah. sort of looking at houses and we're thinking like, do we want to consider a house with a pool? I don't know. That makes us very nervous. What if we did this class? So we started looking into it. It's, it sound it 
from what I read and see, it looks traumatic and sounds yeah. traumatic. But I don't know. But that's not how I taught my son, but mm-hmm. I was pretty astonished by that stuff. I just had him get a regular classes at the Rose Bowl in uh, Pasadena, actually. Yeah. Yeah. How old was he when he was doing that? Like three. Okay. Yeah. Would he you know the, the the particular type of classes that we're talking about, though, where they throw him in and teach him to swim? What do you think about that? Uh, I would try it. Yeah, you would. Yeah, I okay. just he was older than those little <laughs> infants at the time. Right. But I thought that was pretty impressive. Yeah, it's a great sport, you know, <laughs> especially if you have a son. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sadly, but uh, like my kid has scoliosis, but his swimming has has really helped it um, mm-hmm. because it, it develops both the muscles on the back evenly. So I don't know. If that's a concern or an interest. I mean, not yet, but, but <laughs> I would like him to have equal muscles. Sure. Who doesn't? Who doesn't love symmetry? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, so much in our culture is about symmetry. <sighs> Versus tennis, which you'll have a, one giant, you have your giant back and a half, the other half is, you know, Jeff, tiny. Are you aware of my history with tennis and the fact that it makes one arm bigger? Mm. I'm aware of your history with tennis, but not of the asymmetri- asymmetrical hermit crab arm syndrome. <laughs> this, okay. So I used to work uh, with Adam Kroll on the Adam, which you also yes. wrote, you wrote for Too Late with Adam Kroll. Yeah. Right? Um, I used to be on the Adam Kroll show and I forget how some super fan would know. I forget how it even came up, but I said, maybe we, we saw a picture of, Maybe it was a hermit crab. Now I'm just making stuff up. I have no idea. <laughs> so, the topic of one bigger arm. And yeah. I said, oh, like a tennis player. And every man in the room looked at me like I was crazy. Hmm. They were completely unaware of this phenomenon oh, that yeah. tennis player, professional tennis players have one bigger arm. Yeah. I, I was flabbergasted. I thought they were putting me on. And I get that they're like, you know nothing about sports so you probably don't know what you're talking oh about my god but I actually this is i did play tennis and i do know this about tennis players so anyway i think i brought it up like only 400 times after that <laughs> to let them know how wrong they were but anyway thank you yeah we're saying it like it's a thing because it very much is a thing oh it's yeah it's a thing and then and the in their backs and their shoulders as well yeah. they're not they're not balanced and i think pitchers are the same way is am Probably. i correct baseball pitchers i mean you're not but now i you're don't doing know. a million yeah. throws with w- your right arm you're not going to balance it out with your right. left arm you don't have time you got to get in the pool yeah <laughs> you got to get symmetrical <laughs> <laughs> so you started doing open mics um sometime after you yeah dropped out right right looking back on it do you see that that was being a comedian is is was the direction you were always headed yeah and it was um a combination, you know, well, well, I was heavy. I was kind of fat, you know, and I was like, oh, I can't be an actress. For <laughs> you have to be thin and beautiful mm-hmm. to be an actress. And not only was was I not a thin swimmer, but I was never going to get that. What, what the way I thought you had to be, you know? So I immediately gave that up. And, um, and I liked what I liked about stand up is you could write your own stuff. And, um, so I really, I really jumped into it. So I guess, yeah, it all, it all kind of worked out how it was supposed to. Like, you know? were you the funny kid? Uh, among my friends. Yeah. In a larger group, I wasn't, I would clam up, but if mm. I would, had just like three or four fan- friends, I was the funny one. Yeah. 
And were you in LA when you were doing open mics? No, San Francisco. I moved back with my parents, or Walnut Creek. I moved back with my parents and just sort of, um, and my dad was home. Like mm-hmm. he'd been overseas for so many years and he was home. Like he was working in the Bay Area. So I was like, maybe I'll just do my teenagers over again. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, so I, I was home for like 10 years. I, I, as a comic, I worked as a comic. So, I would go on the road, but I would, when I came home, it was to my parents' house and I got to hang out with my dad a lot. And so we sort of, you know, I had some anger about him being gone, which wasn't, you know, which wasn't even anger that felt fair because he was just working. Mm -hmm. So we could go to Catholic school. Like it, it, so you don't know what to do with that anger when it doesn't feel justified. And so that I'm sure I ate as well. I mean, it was just, (laughs) that's how I, at that time I dealt with all my emotions when I ate them and, um, and now I tweet them, but, uh, (laughs) but, uh, so it was kind of a, a fun time for a while where I just, I stopped swimming. I wasn't trying to, um, become great. You know, I was just trying to do stand up, and mm-hmm. be, I guess I moved that ambition to a different, um, a different uh, practice that didn't involve me, it, it, me having to be thin, and that mm-hmm. helped me take the pressure off my body, and that helped me stop de- stop eating as much, and yeah, right. Did you, you say that it was a fun time at the time? Did it feel like a fun time? Um, it felt it. It just felt so. I felt so free for the first time that I didn't have this thing hanging over me of I should be swimming, I should be trying to make the Olympic team. Mm-hmm. Um and and stand up was so fun and different and it was so unpredictable and I had led a very controlled life and so to have this thing that was like you didn't know what was going to happen when you went up on stage and um and all every show was in some different weird part of San Francisco so I was driving around on my little Toyota Tercel and like seeing all these places. And um, so it was kind of a fun time of discovery, I think. Mm-hmm. What was your next career move after that? Um, I did stand up for, for like 10 years, pretty much only did stand up. Um, I moved to New York in 1999 and I knew a little bit of HTML cause I had made my own website. And so I got a job, $25 an hour doing HTML, <laughs> which is for what? <laughs> oh, it was a it was a media site called CMP, mm-hmm. and um, so that was my day job in New York. And then I started doing stand up there at night. Um, so that was the first time I'd stayed home for a long, or stayed in one place and mm-hmm. just really tried to make myself a New York comic. And, Why did you choose New York? Uh, I, as soon as I went, I visited there. I I had done Montreal, New Faces, got nothing, but I I did visit. Uh, New York because I was on the East Coast and I was like oh I'm supposed to be here Mm -hmm. like why haven't I ever heard of this place (laughs) why did no one tell me this would be so perfect for me you Uh know and it was it it was just wonderful and I still love it so uh, and then I started I started writing on Tough Crowd um, which was that my first writing job and then I I really enjoy that too I enjoy that the balance of writing for I guess somebody else during the day and then doing my own thing at night you know, mm-hmm. as opposed to going on the road all the time, which is, right. you know, that's also impossible with a kid too. You've done a lot of television writing. Mm-hmm. You've written for a bunch of different shows. I the, know you've the least amount of writing I ever did was for Adam's show. Yes, what was does. that experience like? <laughs> like <laughs> the, when, day one, the head writer said, and you, Kevin Hench, you know Kevin yeah. Hench, right? He goes, I hope you have a screenplay to work on because he's not going <laughs> to read anything you give him. <laughs> and he didn't. We transcribed a lot of his... Um, like monologues for the radio show, mm-hmm. and then he would sort of repurpose them and do them again. But you can't write for Adam Carolla. There's no. It's ridiculous. Right? Yeah. Has yeah. has most of your writing been for late night? 
Yes. I did write for uh, a daytime show for like nine months, but what show was that? Uh, the Bonnie Hunt show. Oh yeah. Yeah. Ruthless. Ruthless. Daytime is uh, incredibly competitive and mm-hmm. way more so than nighttime, I think, or late night. Sorry. I wonder why that is. I don't know. But my my sense is they, the executives like way up that run those things, they don't know who's watching. It, like, And their assumption is, um, you know, they're stay-at-home moms and they're really easily offended. <laughs> maybe they're not, you know? And maybe you could have like a hip, funny show in the afternoon and people will be okay with it, you know? I think, I mean, Ellen does a great job at that, you know? But they, they were always so cautious about you know, our viewer. <laughs> yeah. The, the ideal of what our viewer is. It's weird. I always wonder how legitimate and accurate is that kind of stuff. I mean, I guess everyone yeah. wonders that. Cause I remember, so I have a journalism background and I wrote um, some stuff for people magazine and the editor, when I, I went to New York and I, I met with him and said, not the editor of people, but the editor of the section that I was writing in, um, and he was like, yeah, so the the reader is probably like a secretary in her 30s who's going to be reading this before she starts work. Wait a minute. I, I know that that's what he said, but that makes it sound like she was logging on to read it. I feel like I'm conflating two different magazines. But anyway, some place yeah. I wrote for... That in the story, it does sound like it's a computer. However, that was for the magazine. But I really, really wish I hadn't told the story. It's going nowhere. But you <laughs> but get what I'm saying. Make, yeah, but it also, like, every woman is almost always late to work. <laughs> yeah. So the fact that you would have time to read People magazine before work, is that's a made-up person. Right. Right. Yeah, it's it seems like they're always plotting and trying to you know strategize about who their viewer is you mm-hmm. know and they always think it's one it's like a monolith it's it's this one this is what we're going for right you know like at, at Conan the daytime shows are watched by our makeup artists while they're you know doing your hair or whatever or doing the guest hair mm-hmm. you know and but, they don't need it to be that safe no not at all oh my god <laughs> <laughs> what do you do for Conan uh, I I work on uh, monologue jokes. So I'm I'm all Comey all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have to be more abreast of things that are ha- well? Let me ask my question, and then uh, and then answer it myself. Do you have to be <laughs> more attuned to what's going on in the world than you would normally be? But the reason I was gonna get in my own way is because it seems like you are very plugged in to yeah. the world anyway so yeah I, I think now i'm sort of interested in it anyway uh, but i know that when i have hiatuses i i just don't want to know like i'll just i'll look at a few tweets like i have like a a list of journalists that i follow like a you know you make your twitter list mm-hmm. and stuff and um i'm on it all the time now but when when I, we're on hiatus i just peek a little bit and i just don't want to know I I just want to break. What you know? um Twitter app do you use? Because my husband is like the king of Twitter lists and yeah. also he's very thorough about like if he follows you and you tweeted something, he has seen it. Whereas <laughs> I I don't even know what he tweets. Like I'm very much I look at my at replies sometimes and then I tweet sometimes and then occasionally I'll look at the main like list of people I follow, but I'm very not good and I'm not uh thorough about any of it. Um, I just used the lists uh app within Twitter. I didn't oh. know there was a separate. Okay, one. yeah, he. I don't. I think he uses TweetDeck or something. I'm not. Yeah, sure. yeah. People do that. I I haven't done that. Right. A part of me doesn't want to get too 
like I might as well since I'm on Twitter all the time. I <laughs> might as well actually get yeah. good at the app part of it. <laughs> right. Um, I've lost my train of thought. Um, Twitter, but, your husband. No, here's what I'm going to say. I love uh, the Jackie and Lori show. You do? Yes, I oh, do. Oh, thanks. And listening to it, I'm like, there's just something that's so much fun about listening to a couple friends talking. It makes me wonder why I do a show where I interview people I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and just booking guests is a nightmare, isn't it? No, actually, it's really not that bad. Just making sure they can get there and all yeah, that kind of stuff. Yeah, when I so I used to have someone who booked the show for me, and that was one of my concerns going off on my own was, oh, that it's going to be so hard. And surprisingly, yeah. that's like the least of my worries. Mm. Um, I thought, but I also, you know, I don't like send. Here's an email, and here's a f- a photo of what the outside looks like with an arrow. Like I'm not yeah. as producery as some yeah, people. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for the most part, it, it's okay. Yeah. Jackie, Jackie and I have both been doing comedy, Jackie Cation, almost the same exact time. We both, she started in 86 and I started in 87. We've led these kind of parallel lives because in the eighties and nineties, especially female comics were not allowed to work together. You know, they would once in a while, it'd be like a female show uh-huh. and th- then it was always wretched for a different reason. But on the road, there were so many, like I would see Jackie's headshot and see that she was coming in, you know, four months because they had to space the women out like they it was it, it was unbelievable when you look at how lineups are today but um why was it like that they were there the most of the club owners were men and um i i don't know i don't know if the audience i mean i i never the like karen rontowski is another one where i didn't meet her really until i moved to la and we both been doing comedy 25 years because we just were like kept away from each other mm-hmm. you know and uh, I I think it's it was like a quota thing almost basic sexism of yeah. you know we have one woman and that's good and we'll have another one in four months. <laughs> Why do you <laughs> want to know who she is? <laughs> right, it's our business. Yeah. I should have asked when and why did you move to LA? Um, I moved to LA in 2009. Um, and I go back to New York a lot though, like once a month. And, uh, so I don't lose my New York chops. You know, it's <laughs> such a different comedy feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I'm, if I'm here too long without going back to New York, I'm just like in coffee house vibe and, you know, chill vibe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and New York comedy is very like bam, 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 bam in your face and, and heavy, you know. Are you talking about the joke style? I'm talking about the performance style. Okay. I guess a little bit of the joke style too. I think sometimes LA can get a little storyteller, mm-hmm. tellery where there's long, I mean, they're interesting, but they're long pauses between laughs. And, um, I, I guess I like the New York style where mm-hmm. it's more boom, relentless. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you change your style depending where you are? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's and in so fact, interesting. the hard thing this, this week I was, gearing up for this Conan set. And um, so I've been doing, I, I went to New York, I did like 26 shows wow. in six days. And I was like, this is, it's tight, it's tight. And then I came back here and it, the, I had a couple shows in front of audiences that were mostly comics. And I was, I was very embarrassed about being boom, boom, boom in front of comics that I knew had seen the jokes before. Why is that scene? I like trying too hard. I see. You know? And so then I, so then I was in my head and bombing and I'm like, I'm going to bomb. Oh my God. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's a, it's a different style here. And I definitely, you know, it, it, when I look at all four of those shows on Monday and Tuesday, had I not been trying to work out a set, I would have just had a more relaxed, 
you know, kind of casual approach to mm-hmm. it. And it, they probably would have been fine shows. If it's the same material in, in New York versus LA, but you change your style, um, are there like, are, are there more sentences in LA or is it just, uh, pacing? I think it's pacing more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's more pacing because I, I don't like to add words to jokes unnecessarily, you know, and in LA, you can kind of like sneak some new stuff in and people are, are a little more generous with the laughter. Whereas I find in New York, they can tell <laughs> <laughs> like that one doesn't seem honed. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. And, and actually there's a club in Hermosa Beach called Comedy Magic Club and they, they have a lot of these shows where they have 10 comics and everyone does seven minutes and pretty much everyone does a, just a hard joke, joke, joke set. And they're, that audience is the same way where I'm like, I'm going to try, I'm going to do a joke and I'm going to protect it between these two jokes at work and see if it works. And mm-hmm. they, they can tell instantly. They're like, you haven't done that one yet. <laughs> we don't want to, we don't want you to try them on us. <laughs> right. We want us to bring your, your best, bring your best huh. stuff. It's like a little satellite in New York. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think they've trained the audiences because the, they're just so used to comics doing their best seven that they've trained them to expect that, mm-hmm. you know? Well, okay. So if New York is like bam, 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 and LA yeah. is more storytellery, what are, in, in your opinion, what are the personalities of, of other comedy cities? Oh, hmm. That's, I guess it depends on the venue. It also, it always depends on the venue too. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's some, like Hermosa Beach wants it hard, right? Like a New York club. And there's, there's rooms in New York that are, you know, I guess would be described as alternative where, Mm -hmm. you know, or it's a bar and there's so much to look at that if you're bam, 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 maybe the audience, you know, they have the time they're watching a game for a second. So they, they almost need you to put more space in between jokes so they can, kind of go in and out you right know? um so i guess it would depend on on the venue as well but um i you know like i'm gonna be at acme in minneapolis in a couple weeks and um uh it's that's just a road room that it, they want good material mm-hmm. you know what's caroline's to you caroline's is a place that doesn't book me that's what it is to me <laughs> <laughs> so they're dead to you <laughs> they're dead to me <laughs> Um, I used to work there, but I just, uh, I have a couple clubs. I work pretty hard when I'm in New York and that's enough. You know, you, there's only so many spots you can do in a night. So mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, we did the podcast live a couple times, a, a bunch of Caroline's. Yeah. Oh, okay. That and Corolla show. Yeah. And the response was so overwhelming and it really was kind of the same stuff that we, I mean, it's, it was yeah. always original, but the yeah. same as, you know, I think as the pod, uh, the podcast that we did in a million other cities. Yeah. For some reason, it just went over so well there. Oh, cool. And I was, yeah, it was, it was really fun to yeah. experience, but I was wondered, is it New York? Is it the room? Is it, you know, well, what? if there Caroline's is something is about full, the room, yeah. it's an amazing room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Caroline's when it's, not full maybe that's my experience because i'm not you know adam carolla is you know they have to draw the curtain and it becomes a little little more work right but when it's full oh my god i mean i've seen shows that are full they're amazing shows Mm. yeah let's take some questions that listeners sent in on twitter okay when we ask we send them in they're wondering how you have been so thanks so much for answering 
Okay, nighttime foam corner says. <laughs> oh, that old guy. <laughs> I don't really have a question. I'm just excited. Lori is going to be on Allison Rosen's new best friend. Um, but then he does have a question. Oh. Or she. Yes. Lori, what's your favorite peanut butter? I like a creamy peanut butter. Um, uh, without palm oil. I spend a lot of time reading the ingredients. And there's there's a brand, and I can't remember the name of it, because um, I don't buy, pe- like I'll buy a bunch of peanut butter at once and then not buy it for a while. And then when I go to the store, I'm like, what's the name of that one? And I just have to spend like six minutes looking at uh, all the ingredients. But I like creamy. Are you more of like an LA peanut butter person or New York? Because I feel like they're pretty different. <laughs> I'm in New York. I like a nice, hard, okay. creamy, hard, creamy peanut butter in New York. Uh, oops. Let's see. Oh yeah, Mary Giglio says, "How do you like performing the podcast live? Looking forward to seeing both of you at Podfest." Oh, um, you do you do live podcasts? I do not a ton, yeah. But um, in fact, I did Podfest last year, and I'm doing it again this year, and I haven't done it live any other times this this past year. So there you go. Yeah. I, have the, I just exclusively do podcasts. <laughs> I've Jackie and I've done a couple comedy festivals where we do a, a podcast live, mm-hmm. and uh, I feel like as a comic, I'm like, this can't be entertaining to watch <laughs> someone speak. It, you know, like it, there's a crowd here. Can I just do my act? <laughs> right. You know, so um, that I I guess they they like it. I hope people listening like it. Mm-hmm. Like I, I know there's there's some. There's some live podcasts I listen to where I can t- I can hear comics doing bits, you know, and I'm like, oh, you know what? I came here for hard conversation. I didn't come here to hear you do bits that I hear in clubs, right? Um, so that drives me nuts when when because a live audience, like a comic, is going to try to please a live audience, and it and it, and it's odd that I would actually when I'm listening to podcasts, I want a real conversation. I don't want to hear you, yeah. Trying to that's my sense is that listeners of the podcast would prefer not a live show. Yeah. I mean, I think the novelty is exciting, Yeah, but in general, it's usually like a little bit, it is less intimate and it's a little more shouty. Definitely. But then when you're in front of a crowd, you perform more. And I say that as not a stand-up comedian, yeah. but I find that I change a little as well. And I think that's why um, I like doing it live, mm-hmm. but I know there's people who do these, like amazing podcast tours and in a way that appeals to me because it sounds fun. But I also yeah. think I don't, I guess every time I do the podcast live, I struggle with what should it be? Cause mm-hmm. I don't feel like it can just be exactly the same. Right. Maybe that is what people want though. I don't know. I feel like, like you're saying like, could that really be enough? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so someone have a conversation. I, know. I mean, I, I remember we did one where and my legs are crossed and I'm like, the audience is looking at the bottom of my shoes right now. This is what I'm giving an audience right mm-hmm. now. This is awful. <laughs> and I felt terrible about yeah. that. But yeah. Then again, though, if you think like people coming to see a, t- a television show recorded live, like they know that they're just seeing the thing. Yeah. They're just witnessing it right like is that what a live podcast taping is it doesn't really seem like it no and i think because if you're watching a tv show the tv show is also designed to be viewed by everyone who watches it and i i can always feel you know live shows where comics are doing visual jokes or there's a facial expression that i'm Mm -hmm. not getting yeah and the audience is laughing and it just frustrates me Mm -hmm. 
Murder she no murder we spoke says I want to know how much Jackie Cation has rubbed off on her so ask her to name <laughs> any two of the Lord of the Rings and or Hobbit movie titles I don't know what she's talking about I don't <laughs> I don't know either of them I I'm reading Harry Potter to my son and uh-huh. I feel like that's enough like don't ask me to join another cult have you seen uh any of the Harry Potters I think I've seen one and we're probably gonna watch one this weekend we're we're on book three so, oh wow yeah I uh had not seen or read any of them when i was pregnant i started reading harry potter but Mm -hmm. i didn't finish it i think i didn't stick with it long enough Uh, they're tiresome (laughs) they really are and some of her sentences i'm like why did you you know your the clause is in the wrong air part of the sentence and Mm -hmm. and um and the names are hagrid and he has a scottish accent and it's written in a scottish accent so i have to figure out where these apostrophes it's so annoying to read out loud um yeah, so don't do it. Well, I mean, you will. You have a son. You have to. But. I guess I probably will. Yeah. Stephen Douglas says, now that the drought's over, how will you water your apple trees? <laughs> I um, I still uh, water a lot of my trees the same way as I, I take shower water out. I mm-hmm. When I'm getting water hot, hot for a shower, I put it in a bucket. It goes into a bucket and then I take it out and water the front lawn. I still, I can't, uh, I get very nauseous at the thought of water waste, even though I know I can't give water to someone in Africa, but you know, yeah, that's what I do. I carry a bucket. I have a green bucket of water that I carry out every morning after my shower, like a, like a farmer, farmer's wife. It's <laughs> <laughs> impressive. Thanks. And you just have one apple tree. It's a dwarf. Do you eat the apples? (laughs) No, they're not very good. My Mm -hmm. dad planted a long time ago. Otherwise, I'd let it go. But uh, yeah, it's like, yeah. It's a sentimental tree. It's a a special tree with terrible apples. (laughs) (laughs) Queen of Kofifi. I don't know how we've decided we're pronouncing this word. Were you awake that night when it was happening? Yes, I was kind of late to it, but I was. I think for like an hour, it was the most fun I've ever had Mm -hmm. on the internet. It was a weirdly giddy time. Yes. Yeah. It was just silly. And it felt like all the cool people were in on the joke Mm -hmm. and we were all just trying to entertain each other. Yeah. Uh, What's the most satisfying cry you've had this year? Oh, I haven't cried this year. I don't think I've had a good cry this year. I think I haven't really had a a satisfying cry since um, like grieving you know, with my dad, that would be a couple years ago. I, I'm, um, I'm tempting fate, you know, something horrible right, could happen. Yeah. Uh, but I, I mean, when there's a, there's a, there's a cry when you lose someone that is unlike any other cry you'll ever have. And it's like, goes through your whole body, mm-hmm. you know, and those are, it will shake you, you know, and they're very satisfying. Hopefully you only have to have one or two in your lifetime. <laughs> Had you lost people before your dad? No. I mean, so lucky. I lived to the age of 48 without losing um, a loved one, which mm-hmm. is pretty amazing. I mean, you know, grandparents and stuff like that, but not, not someone so close to you. Right. Right. How do you feel like you're doing with the grief now? Fine. You know, stand up. I'm writing a book about death and like, comedic essays about it so mm. okay just waiting for my mom to die so <laughs> see if it feels different <laughs> when's your book coming out um in february yeah february 14th. where are we now okay so june may gotcha yeah so how how far along are you it's done i just got copy edits now mm-hmm. and um 
I, I wrote a book a couple years ago called Shitty Mom, and it's 34,012 words. <laughs> and so I pitched, I said, Shitty Mom for Death. And they're like, okay. So this one's 36,000. I forget the, I mean, I count every word. <laughs> I'm like, I was, I'm barely crossing the finish line with mm-hmm. it, you know? Um, and, uh, uh, and they're like, if you want to write more, I'm like, D- I've ri- I have nothing left. There's no, <laughs> I mean, and, and, you know, it's when you're talking about parenting or any, any like large topic, every, you feel like everything's been hit, you know, there's no fresh angle. So, mm-hmm. so you have to try to find one little crack that you can come, you can just sail into and, and write a funny essay on and then pull out and try to find another one. And mm-hmm. so, you know, it's, I, I I feel I feel like sometimes people that don't do comedy are like, well, just write more of those. Well, say, no, <laughs> the, because, that one joke I wrote is a result of fifty jokes I didn't like. I I put I I said no, not good enough. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's not, a, you know, if there's more, I'll take it. But you know, there's not a lot left. I, I have not much left. Yeah, I, I can't even finish the sentence right now. No, I'm with you. <laughs> Many years ago, for a tiny amount of time I was going to write a sex and dating column Mm -hmm. and pretty quickly I realized like but there's there's nothing new in this and this that's that's so well trod yeah and I don't know that anyone even really cares about the writing yeah it's more the topic yeah right yeah it's it's very the topic upstages you quite a bit definitely I mean same with comedy if you if you write it you know, you can write a great joke about a really tough topic and then just the easiest dick joke will get a standing ovation. And you're mm. like, why do I bother? <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes you need those easy dick jokes. But yeah. 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 How do you feel like your comedy has changed over the years? Um, I think um, I've always written about my life, but uh, my life was kind of, I guess, a pretty boring. Um, uh, you know, just single woman in the city or something like that. And, um, and now that I have a kid, I, I I feel, um, uh, cornered and trapped, you know, and that's a, is it coming from a comic point of view? It's a good place to come from Mm -hmm. where you just feel like you can't move anymore. So you're really frustrated, but you're rooted in one, one place. Uh, so I, I guess I, I feel like my life got a little bit better for comedy. And so I was able to, that, that sort of changed it. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Do how do you figure out where the line is in terms of jokes about your son? Um, that's a you know it's weird. I was doing a I still do a chunk about him and circumcision, but I used to say whether or not I had him circumcised, and then I was like, you know, <laughs> that may be his thing to reveal. Mm-hmm. So I just talk about it without saying which decision I made. Um, and uh, and so I. Yeah, I mean, I just did a set tonight. None of it's true, and I'm okay with that. Like, there's a. Do you know David Feldman? He's a comedian. I know that name. He I would. Think. Yeah, he was. He would talk about his. His rule was, I'll I'll talk about my family, but none of it's true. Mm-hmm. And so then he then you have the freedom to do really really dark mean jokes because they don't they're not they're not true. Right. Um. Do you think is the audience aware it's not true? No, no. I think it's more you. So I start out with truth, and then I then I get. Mm-hmm you know, it's the punchlines are all lies. (laughs) You know, it's funny. um, I had talked, I'm in general, like probably too open on podcasts and just wherever I am opening my mouth. And I talked about um, my husband and my 
de- or the debate I expected we were going to have over circumcision mm-hmm. because I'm I'm not enthused about it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and he's more traditional in that way. Um, so we had talked a- about I had talked a bit about that and just like my thoughts on it. But then he said to me, let's not reveal what we do. Yeah. Oh, you know? yeah, yeah. Just because that's, and I, that wouldn't have even occurred to me. Yeah. I, I, um, I was working on this joke about my son not getting into gifted and talented. And it was like nice and mean. Like I like a nice and mean joke. Mm-hmm. But I was like, oh, but that's true. He didn't get into get, like if he hears it. Yeah. You know, Ugh. So I kind of just put it away. <laughs> that hurt. <laughs> that mm-hmm. was my greatest sacrifice for my son as I <laughs> oh, gave up one joke. What a wonderful mother you truly are. <laughs> Thank you. It's chalk circle stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And there's, um, you know, I post a lot of pictures of him. Yeah. He's just a baby now. Yeah. Yeah. But there's this one video where he laughed. Yeah. For the, pretty much the first time that I was able to get it on video, but he's in his diaper a lot in the video. So I just posted a snippet where you just see his face. Mm-hmm. Cause I don't, even that I'm like, is it fair to post him, just him in a diaper? It probably is though. Right. I, you know, <laughs> I, I think once they get recognizable, like I think up till two, all babies look alike, almost, yeah. you know, except for race. Otherwise you can't really tell them apart after mm-hmm. a while. And then, then they, when they start to really look like them. And then I wonder, well, you know, is Facebook going to be able to do recognition? Maybe my son doesn't want his face being recognized and right. maybe I've already doomed it. Like I haven't right. posted right. pictures maybe of him in a long time. <laughs> That's the other thing. He doesn't have my last name. So I, I do try to separate, you know, yeah. like you're allowed to, you can deny me. I don't care. The <laughs> cock can only crow once and you could deny me. And I won't feel, I won't feel bad. <laughs> Were you, super personal question that you probably talk about. Were you ever married? No, mm-mm, no. I was engaged to the guy that was my son's father, but we never got married. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, <laughs> it would have been a really ugly divorce because it was an ugly breakup anyway. So. What happened? Um, he, well, it, there's probably his side is you know his side, um, but he's not here. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, I found uh, evidence of a two one and a half maybe year to two year relationship in his computer. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> and emails. Yeah. And pictures and stuff. And oh yeah. Yeah. I started pretty soon after my kid was born. Were you looking, were you looking for that? Yeah. It, it, it so you had a hunch. Yeah. It, where it gotten so bad. I was like, is something going on? And, and it was like the third email in the inbox. So there was no hiding it. Right. It was, <laughs> it was like, wow. Yeah, so I, I went down a rabbit hole of rage mm-hmm. and revenge, which I don't recommend. Oh, what was the revenge? Oh, just revenge on him. I contacted her. I contacted her friends. <laughs> I I went, yeah, it was like, you know, stupid yelling and and threatening. And Did and, she, but she must, so she probably totally knew who you were, right? She did, but he had told her that he, she and I, he and I were just staying together for the kid and we oh. were in, in name only and all that stuff. Oh. So, yeah. He, he lied to her too. I think she was outraged at that too. Mm-hmm. So, she she ended up going away. But I, I also said I would make it incredibly difficult for you if my, if you ever hold, I think I threatened her if she ever were to hold my son. I may have threatened her life. <laughs> It's not a good place to be. Um, <laughs> right. I'm not like that anymore. Were you like now? That? I now I expect guys to cheat on me, and so <laughs> I, I, my expectations are so low. I can't get angry. 
But were you quote unquote like that? No, it was that was new rage. That mm-hmm. was a new layer of rage and betrayal and and mostly like I guess if if we didn't have a kid, it would have just been like, well, fuck this guy and mm-hmm. bye. Yeah. But the fact that you know you have so to sassy. see the person, <laughs> I do have a little bit of a Dolly Parton in me. <laughs> um, but the the I think the betrayal when you have a kid it, that is uh, it, it's just huge. It's like it's not just my it's not me it's this kid's life too yeah there's no way i'm staying with you now you know right so you just you just made him a statistic you know which is the child of a single parent is statistically you know uh has a tougher time getting into college all the mm. i mean i'm trying to make up for it and i think i can make up for it maybe i don't know you've given him your mom <laughs> oh my god he's doomed he's really doomed <laughs> yeah no i know what you mean though um, well, what a fucking asshole. <laughs> Do you have any relationship with him at all now? We text. Yeah. It, it's still kind of, it can still in within two texts turns into fuck you. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So we, d- we don't communicate too much, you know, besides pick up a drop off mm-hmm. and stuff like that. That sounds stressful. <laughs> it is stressful, but it's better than like my son has never heard us in a fight because he was so young when we broke up and we never talked to each other. So mm-hmm. It's weird. Like if he heard, if we were actually reading our texts to each other and yelling them, he would, I'm sure be highly traumatized, but right. As long as he doesn't scroll up and start reading (laughs) (laughs) my messages, he'll be in, he'll be in okay shape. (laughs) Perfect. Let's do just me or everyone. But first, um, I want to say, you guys, if you like what you're hearing, subscribe itunes.com slash Allison Rosen is where you go. And also I'm on Patreon. Do you know Patreon? Are you guys on Patreon? No, we're not on Patreon. It's fun. I recommend it. Um, so Patreon is sort of like Kickstarter. You can support podcasters on an ongoing monthly basis and there's different reward levels. So there's a level where you get bonus episodes. There's a level where you have access to an exclusive live video stream, which is just ex- an exclusive of my dog barking. Um, but, but also one day other stuff and also a level where you get merch in the mail, fun stuff like that. Uh, patreon.com slash Allison Rosen is where you go for that. Okay. Let's do just mirror everyone. Sometimes I ponder on something I have thought or done. Is it just me or everyone? Okay. This is where people write in with things they think or do and they wonder, is it just me? Mm-hmm. Is it everyone? And we say whether we relate or do these things too. Peaked by Parikh says, I enjoyed monitoring the wear of the soles of my sneakers as a kid. And then parentheses, different colors of rubber getting exposed. I didn't have these kind of magical sneakers or if I did, I wasn't aware of it. So I appreciate your zesty outlook on life. (laughs) (laughs) I've never heard of that before, but it's an interesting thing to track. And, and, um, and, and what do you do with the shoes after a while? Do you keep them as souvenirs? Like, Right, like look at the cross section of this one. Yes, yeah. I used to keep Snickers wrappers in the height of my bulimia. I would, I would flatten them and and keep them uh, in a books. Why? Just I don't know. It made me happy. <laughs> so are you? They're like trophies. I think like a serial killer or something. <laughs> I, I, I murdered that Snickers bar. <laughs> look at its panties. <laughs> are you um, ever given? to eating disordery type stuff now no no i mean but i i don't know how to cook like i try to stay away from food Mm -hmm. um and i i would love to be one of those people that could cook and gets into ingredients and goes to a farmer's market and stuff but i i just end up like 
having toast with with creamy peanut butter, right? New Palmoire. York style, yeah. <laughs> um, but I I, th- I think I have a fear of food. Like I don't mm-hmm. want to get too close to it, so I just am very unimaginative. But I'd love to. I'd love to be like have that sort of Anthony Bourdain like curiosity and excitement, right? It, you know, right? How many years were you bulimic? Uh, my teenagers. But I mean, that's pretty amazing, though, to to just kind of walk away from that. It it's it's slow. I mean, when I started eating uh, and and letting myself get fat, that really changed everything. There's this woman named Janine Roth who wrote a bunch of books on compulsive eating, and they really helped me. Mm. La Star Trek says either I'm a wimp or ninety percent of automatic faucets are set way too hot. I don't find that to be the case. I assume this person is talking about like in a public restroom, right? Where you yeah, put your or hand a hotel under or it. something. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's usually not hot, and it is just a, it's just like a drop of water. Yeah, you probably like that. I uh, like how conservation <laughs> those faucets are. I do like that, but but my bathroom uh, here is it gets real cold. Like it takes forever to get hot. Mm-hmm. So I I've just resigned myself to always washing my hands cold and washing my face cold. Do it's t- a sacrifice. <laughs> Another sacrifice. You are I'm a very brave. I don't know if you've heard that about me. <laughs> Do you take super fast showers because um, you're trying not to waste water? I, I don't. Yeah, I get wet and then I turn the water off and I lather and then I turn the water on and wash it out. And Yeah, I do that. Wow. Yeah. That is... Wow, we can be another drought in two years, guys. Yeah, yeah. Don't get cocky with this with this water we had. It could go away. I need to really dig. Okay, so you get in the shower, you you wet your whole self, yes, and then turn the water off, yeah, and then wash your hair mm-hmm. and lather up, yeah, wash it out, and then do it again with the conditioner, and then I'm out. Yeah. What about like shaving or anything like that? Uh, well, uh, if that were to happen. <laughs> Um. Yeah, you could do that without wa- without water as long as you're wet. Yeah. Hmm. I guess. I guess you could. It's also safer. It's you know the if you're in a less slippery uh, atmosphere, you're less likely to fall. That is true. Yeah. That is true. You know, I went through this occasionally. I go through this phase because I get these bumps on the backs of my upper arms Mm -hmm. and someone said coconut oil is really good for that Mm. and usually i don't believe that anything is good for anything i know (laughs) i know same i've been burned before (laughs) um however i started trying it and i don't know if it actually makes the bumps go away or if it just makes you not feel them as much but anyway it involves rubbing coconut oil on my skin and then rinsing it off but then in the shower, yes, dangerous. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, you leave an oil slick in the shower. Mm-hmm. I will die, but my arms will be so smooth. <laughs> the one way I don't want to die is falling in my shower. That's the only way you I, don't want to die. <laughs> every I'm totally <laughs> open to everything. On the else. table, murder. Go ahead, do what you have to do. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to die naked in my shower in my home. Yeah, no, that'd be a terrible near a way toilet. To no, it's not. Yeah, you got to do everything. Every, every time you step in the shower, your goal has to be to get out of the shower alive. That's how I look at every morning. God, I don't really go into it with such a... You should. I should be on the offense a little more. <laughs> you really <laughs> I need to, should. I need to look alive. You're getting too soft. Yeah, I you am. need to be... You need I am. to toughen up. I am. Because mm-hmm. oftentimes I'm distracted. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm just waking up. Yeah, and you're trying to move quick. You got right. a kid. You, you can't stay in as long as you want to. 
I need to take a shower before I get in the shower just to, just to, <laughs> to shower. wake me up. It <laughs> is true, though. To all the people listening who don't have kids who might one day have them, appreciate your showers now. Yeah. Because having a kid changes everything. Yeah. And even now, like my son and my mother, we all share the same bathroom. Mm-hmm. So I can't even be in the shower without having someone interfere. Someone right. come in. I'm going to pee. Don't worry. I'm just going to pee. I, <laughs> I don't want you peeing anyway. Like that's that's not that less awful right now Mm -hmm. that you're peeing right next to me please yeah yeah okay leela rolling stone says saw cute dog sitting in car outside starbucks went to say hi and realized it was a human hashtag hashtag mortified (laughs) trying to think Um, have i feel like i've had the opposite not where I've gone to say hi, but from the back, I've thought it was a weird shaped person. Mm-hmm. And then like you pull up to the car and it's like, oh, because it's a humongous dog. Oh, right. But I don't think I've ever thought a person was a cute dog. Yeah. I, I'm going to need to know more. I need to know the kind of people she hangs out with. <laughs> right. <laughs> what do they look like? Right. <laughs> Ariana Bridgman says, try to push my sunglasses up on the bridge of my nose, even when I'm not wearing them. Mm. I don't do this, but I try to put my seatbelt on when I'm just sitting in any old chair. <laughs> I mean, I don't actually go to reach for it, but for a second, I'll feel like something feels like it's missing. Yeah. I have that in movie theaters, too. It's oh, weird. wow. I don't know what it is. Because it's not like I'm a... I mean, I wear my seatbelt, but it's not like I'm a person who is in love with it or something. I don't um, have strong feelings about it. But it does make you feel safe, I think. I guess. It must. And are, on a plane, are you immediately... Uh, locking yourself in or do you wait till the air flight attendant tells you to i do immediately do it but it's wow. not because i feel like it makes me safer i just like to just cross things off the list ah okay i guess yeah i guess it's weird so i'm not a morning person mm-hmm. um but since having a baby i realized i need to just become a morning person because this thing where i'm trying to still get up at nine which is like go to sleep for 10 more minutes. Like just yeah. trying to press snooze on the baby wasn't work. It wasn't fair to him and wasn't working. So now I, I do just get up really early. Um, and I feel much more productive and effective, even though I'm really tired all the time and not doing anything different in my day. I'm just getting up earlier. Yeah. But I find that like, if there's, you know, a, a bunch of things I have to do that day that don't involve leaving the house, but just like, the things on my to-do list. Like I, I want to just get them all done so that by noon I can be like, I'm just done. Mm, yeah. But then I think, what am I rushing what through? For? But for, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you go watch daytime TV now. So then it's <laughs> noon and then I think, oh, I can't wait till it's like 10 o'clock so I can go to sleep. <laughs> go to sleep. And then I think, if I keep this up, I'm just going to rush through the rest of my life. Yeah. I, I, I find that like, so much of my, so much of my years of uh, as a mother have been spent trying to reclaim the habits I had before as a mother, and just trying to like see if I can incorporate this child into the life I used to have. And How's it working? Not at all. Yeah. I don't sleep at all because I I am a night person, mm. but I have to if I want to get anything done, I have to do it before work and before my kid wakes up, and so that makes it's like six thirty six six a.m., which is horrible. It feels awful. Text me. I'll be up. (laughs) Yeah. um, That adjustment has been difficult for me, trying to still maintain my old 
habits and mm-hmm. way of life. And especially because now he's four months old, so it's not the insanity of a newborn. It's the mm-hmm. insanity of a four month old. But that this at the beginning when there's you're not really sleeping at all and yeah. nothing is predictable. I still wanted to basically be sleeping at night and basically be up in the morning and like wanted to get enough sleep if it's possible. Not up in the morning, but up in the day. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why, because I kept thinking, like, just let that go and just be on the baby's schedule for just a little while. But yeah. I couldn't. It's like a weird sort of fastidiousness, well, it, I, I guess. I mean, it's such a huge t- t- such a huge change and also have to change your sleep schedule. It's, it's a lot to ask of yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I just... Like, I wonder where this goes. Do, eventually, do I just give up on my old life? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I try, I feel like I'm clawing uh, out of a sand pit all the time where I'm mm-hmm. just trying to maintain something of the person I was before, even though I'm totally changed from him, from being a mom, from having that kind of connection with a human being that right. I probably, uh, I never had before. Um, but I'm still just trying, like I, my dream life would be the road feature I used to be where I was making you know, 500 a week, but you could live on it. And I was sleeping till like 11 and I only had to do a 30 minute set at night. And it was so fun. And I could go walk around the city during the day, whatever city I was in. Mm-hmm. I'll never have that back. <laughs> I'll never have that carefreeness back, you know? Right. But, and the other, the other thing that's ruined is that carefree, that carefree, like now you have a thing you can't lose, which is your kid. Yeah. And that, that ruins, really ruins your life. Like, right. <laughs> I, I want all child free people to know they're, yeah. you are living without a cloud hanging over your head for the rest of your life. And, right. And I envy you. Yeah. I, I remember that realization too of like, oh, I have to be responsible and alert all the time now. Yeah. And like, I really can never be the kid again. Yeah, and one texting driver can destroy my life mm-hmm. by destroying his, you know. And that that just freaks you out sometimes, you know. It all freaks me out. Yeah. Okay. Laura Wilhite says, the loudest person in a loud bar makes my skin crawl. Mm. Yes. Because it's usually a single guy. Yeah. Actually, I'll go one step further. Anytime, not anytime. Most of the time, if I'm overhearing someone's conversation, I'm irritated by them. But (laughs) I'm not an unpleasant, curmudgeonly person as far as I regard myself. Yeah. I don't know what that is. It's just like, oh, I get it. You guys are really good friends. Okay. (laughs) Well, isn't, and the most satisfying conversation is when people are trying to keep under wraps. Like, Mm -hmm. you're like sitting in an airport, so there's a row of seats behind you, and there's whispering going on, (laughs) and you can hear it, and they don't know that you can hear it. Yeah. Oh, that feels so good. It really does. That at one I lean into. What's (laughs) happening with you guys? Right. Versus the conversation where you can tell that the one loud person kind of knows people are hearing and is trying is trying too hard yeah 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 Mm -hmm. i wonder if i'm that person danielle lynn (laughs) says always so confused when i see someone lounging on a beach chair by an indoor pool trying to think how frequently i've seen this um sorry that was my that is okay turn off my beeps that's bad um I, I see that in hotels, like yeah. indoor hotels. But I, I mean, I don't have any friends that have their own indoor pools. So no, I don't do see, I. That, right. see that too often in real life. Uh, yeah. It doesn't, I think it's just pools are where you, rela- you relax by yeah. pool, regardless of whether it's indoors or outdoors. Mm-hmm. 
Can you imagine? You think of all the people that have been laying on that that beach chair that you're laying on now, that lounger. It's gross. It's sickening. I hope you bring a towel. Yeah. Val Perkins says, do we already do a Val? We did not. Uh, never realized how loud everything in my house was till I had a baby. Hmm. Yep. Can I recommend, um, please get a box fan. Like don't get a Dyson that says it's silent. Get one that makes <laughs> a lot of noise and put yeah. it in the baby's room and put it in one in your room. Like you can get them for 20 bucks. I have them all over my house. Mm-hmm. They block out all a lot of noise and you know what? Sometimes that baby just needs to cry and you need to sleep. So if you turn your fan on high, you won't hear the baby cry. And I think that's okay. This is this is the point I'm at in the baby stuff of he's around the age where people start to talk about sleep training mm-hmm. and like the, it really does seem like he just needs to cry a bit. And, yeah. and he, I can't, even though I go to him and try to help him, he still cries. Right. So I know that there's other mothers with babies my age who, who are, you know, letting them cry a little bit, but I can't do it. I know I, I will That's eventually why you need a fan. If you don't know what's happening, then you can do it. You know, sometimes you just need to put some eye shades on yeah. and not see the crime happening. <laughs> You can't. You well, can't you testify. That way, you yeah. can't testify against a criminal you don't see. Right. Right. That's so true. Yeah. Box fans, you guys. I'll put an Amazon link to box <laughs> fans in this episode. <laughs> so uh, I had the perfect little fan when I lived in New York, and when I was moving from New York to California, I went through this insane moving purge where I got rid of so many things I wish I still had, but Mm. kept so much crap that I, (laughs) but it wasn't, it wasn't because I thought I wanted this box full of papers. It was that I was like, I'm, I can't go through shit anymore. I guess this just comes with me. So I have boxes full of stuff I don't want. Yeah. But this fan, I don't know why. I don't know. It's like, I thought, Oh, I won't need that in California, (laughs) which is so silly because it was perfect for sleeping with Mm. because it was loud. Yeah. Uh, and then I missed it so much and I would look online forlornly (laughs) and they like, that was, you know, the first version one of the fan. And there were all these great reviews talking about how the new version is so quiet. Like, fuck uh, all of no. you who yeah. wants a quiet fan uh, some kind of maniac <laughs> a quiet ceiling fan okay but not a quiet fan fan yeah there's a reason you're blowing that and thing you up. think these box fans are better than a white noise machine yeah i do i i have a white noise app on my phone and it works okay but mm-hmm. the the box it just fills the room with this hum yeah you know that you you get used to and then you, you don't hear anything outside your door I also like the feeling of a fan on me at yeah. night. Mm-hmm. Okay. And Lisa Loves JMO says, while I am on a trip, I never buy souvenirs from the gift shop. Instead, I go on eBay and find a nifty vintage one. Okay. Here's my situation with that. My husband and I went to Paris last year. And every time I almost bought a little tchotchke, I thought, I'm sure I can just get this online. <laughs> so I did that throughout. It was a very short trip, but I did that throughout the very short trip. And then I got on a plane and I thought, but if you get it online, you didn't get it in the place you were. Right. You so don't have yes, a story. It, it is a plastic Eiffel Tower or whatever it was <laughs> all the same. But the point is kind of, 
for me, I think, to get it in the place. Yeah, I agree. But it's very, I don't, it's weird because as a kid, all, all I wanted to do was go into a souvenir shop and buy, remember buying a lot of rocks in uh, yeah. New Mexico, like polished glass oh, and yeah. that kind of stuff. Yes. I loved that stuff. But now as an adult, I just look around and I'm like, it's all crap and I don't want it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like fidget spinners. Yes. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's just but going to be tossed. Also, in terms of remembering a place, I have a million pictures on my phone, mm-hmm. which I didn't have as a kid. I Sometimes I buy uh, like a little uh, watercolor painting. You know, there's always some artists. Yes. On, and then you just, you have it, but it doesn't take up too much space. You right. Know, put it in the garage or someplace. Like street art, you mean? Yeah. I love that stuff. Yeah. Even though... Ugh, my uh, my dad once talked. There was like a a painting that I fell a street street artist thing that I fell in love with, and it was a little bit overpriced. And my uh-huh. dad talked me out of it because he's like was like saying it wasn't wasn't quality. It was just crap. Yeah, he regrets that, oh. and I'm glad. <laughs> no. And I'm glad because he should. Because I always I think about it. Like I I fell in uh. love with it so much, and I could have had it, but instead I got talked out of it over some elitist like it's not real art. Oh bummer. Yeah. Oh well. There's other stuff. <laughs> Lori, it was so nice having you on the show. Thanks for having me. Thank you for um, putting up with the fact that I, because of the sick baby, I feel like I'm like very uh, all over the place. So I, thank you for... I think that's your life now and it's my life now too. Okay. I only totally connect with disjointed people who lose their train of thoughts. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you for making me feel okay about it because I'm just like, what What happened to me? I know. What happened? I know. <laughs> You'll incorporate it into your life i guess but you can never go back i'm sorry (laughs) (laughs) thank you for this this, these hard truths truths. yeah um tell everyone where to go to find you and to get the album and plug um all your things okay um i'm on twitter any laurie 16 a n y l a u r e i-e number one number six um my special is on CISO, and you could Get a CISO subscription through Amazon. So you can go on Amazon Prime and see it. The, I will link to that too. Oh, cool. The actual, the special, the visual has some interviews with Conan O'Brien and Patton Oswald, And it has some interviews with my, myself, my mom, my sister, and my dad actually before he died. And so that's sort of a companion part to mm-hmm. the standup. And then the album is just the standup. And that's on iTunes and all the other stuff. Perfect. Yeah. And then your podcast. Oh, it's called the Jackie and Lori show. And it's on, uh, it's on iTunes. It's on, we do it at Nerdist and it's myself and Jackie Cation talking about comedy every week. Awesome. And you're killmartin.com. Yeah. Is that your website? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Jeff, where do you go to find you? I'm on Facebook at Colonel Jeff Fox and I'm on Twitter at Colonel Jeff Fox. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm at Allison Rosen on Twitter. Shows Twitter feed at ARIYMBF, uh, Facebook.com slash the Allison Rosen. Thank you again for thank doing you. the show. Listeners, thank you for listening. I love you. Goodbye. Hey, do you know about the Allison Rosen show? 